Welcome back to It Starts Now, the happy hour of finance and business. My name is Stanley, and I am so excited today. Um, this is going to be an amazing show. I have my co-host, Christine. She's going to come in and uh, chime in on so many things, add so much value. She's a dear friend of mine. For I, don't even, I don't even know how many years, but uh, we're here together. And please, Christine, introduce yourself. Let the people know what's going on. Hi, I'm Christine, and I'm Stanley's friend for many years. <laughs> <laughs> and his co-host yes. on It Starts Now. Um, uh, but enough for my introduction. We're really here focused is on Lauren Morgan Esquire. She came here all the way from Phoenix, Arizona. So everybody, just welcome our guest here. Um, she's a very accomplished attorney, and she's here to share all her knowledge on trademarks, um, how it um, is relevant to growing your business and starting your business. And um, we're just really happy to have her right now. Um, her background is uh, pretty accomplished, actually. So she, her firm ha has been voted as one of the top 10 solo firms in Arizona. Um, and um, we're really happy to have her here. So um, just uh, sit back, relax, and take in all the information because it's going to be very valuable. So uh, yeah, so let, let's uh, give it to uh, Lauren to maybe give us a little background on herself. There you go, Lauren. Hey, what Please. an introduction. Thank you guys so much for having me. I'm so excited. Um, well, how do I follow up with that? That's so good. Um, so my name is Lauren Morgan. I am a business attorney from Phoenix, Arizona, licensed out of Phoenix, Arizona. Um, I specialize in entity setup, contracts, intellectual property, copyrights, and trademark. Um, and yeah, I am the founder and attorney behind Activated Law. So, so happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Yes, straight off the plane, coming in to the city <laughs> that never sleeps. Here we are doing this and it's, it's great. Y'all giving me the energy to be up to do this. So, yes. Yeah. Um... Your flight got delayed and then... Oh, flight got delayed. I got... Oh, I didn't even tell you guys. Did I tell you? I got a car accident today. It was a really long day. So, yeah. But we're here. We're even more <laughs> grateful to have you. <laughs> Thank you. It was a very long day. Talk very, about very long woman. day. Yes. Yeah. Turbulence. All, all the stuff. But we are here. Well, yes. we, we, we are so happy to have you here today. And uh, one of the things that we want to touch on automatically, because we want to dive in, is... Um, Trademark, which is why you're here. This is your specialty. Mm -hmm. So one of the questions that we have is, number one, what is a trademark and why is it so valuable? Why do people need it? Oh, that's so good. So a trademark is um, basically any type of mark associated with your brand. There's mm -hmm. five categories in particular. Um, it can be a business name. It can be a business logo. It can be a slogan a hashtag and or a color there are a couple of different variances as well and um anything literally when you think of your brand mm -hmm. um any mark associated with that is going to be a trademark and or a service mark most people don't talk about service mark um they're one in the same service mark literally just means you offer a service versus a product which is the trademark but yeah so when you say by service mark can you elaborate more on that Absolutely. So for instance, I have a law firm and so I am a service-based industry. And so if I were to, um, for instance, have trademarked my company name, Activated Law, my company logo, I would technically have a service mark versus a trademark. 
it's just a technicality. It's still considered a trademark, but if we want to get technical, which lawyers should be technical, details matter, people, I would say that it would be a service mark because I'm a service-based industry. Hmm, interesting. Listen, something new today, huh? Yeah, yeah. Like, what we didn't know that. <laughs> so, okay, so now let's say, for example, now I have a slogan and I have a logo. Mm-hmm. Why is it important to trademark both? Or is it important? It is very important to trademark both. And the reason behind it is, um, like I mentioned, it's around your brand, right? Um, especially for entrepreneurs starting out, we sacrifice so much to get our businesses off the ground. We're building it and it catches fire. It's known in the community around what it is associated with. And if you don't protect that, somebody else is like, oh, this is catchy. This is cool. It sounds good. I'm going to take it and, and put it with my business, right? So all of the effort, all of the time, all of the sacrifice, right? The, the things that we can't put a monetary value to, right? Time with our family, time with our friends that we sacrifice to be putting into this brand and investing in and building it up. Now someone else gets to come ahead, come and basically take, take your work and claim to it because you've already done the legwork and the footwork and continue to build off of it, right? So um, my, one of my favorite examples that I always use is Nike because they have done a phenomenal job at executing their um, marketing strategy. It really goes hand in hand, trademarking with your marketing strategy. Um, but they, when we think of swoosh, everyone knows of Nike, right? right. When you think of just do it, right. Nike, that's their brand. And they have um, programmed us in a sense. When you hear those phrases, when you hear those words, you know that you are associated with Nike. Hands down, you never need to hear Nike, never need to see Nike. You never need to, um, you just know it is associated with them, even down to some of the um, icons that they use, right? Michael Jordan, mm -hmm. um, LeBron James. Mm -hmm. We know that they are hands down associated with Nike when we see them. That is the importance of branding. And so what you focus on when you are talking about trademarking is your brand. What are you building? What When you hear it, when you see it, what does it make you think of? And it should make you think of our brand. And that is what we are protecting. That is what we are trademarking. And they give you the protections to enforce that. So interestingly enough, I have a little trivia about the Nike swoosh. Come on! Um, I don't know if you all know, but it was actually um, designed by a graphic designer. And I think she was only paid like 30 or $35 to design that swoosh See? back in the day. And now look at how it paid up. Right. They, are, they protected that. Listen, mm -hmm. for that millions of dollars. And millions now. Millions. Billions. Billions. Seriously. Right. Yeah. So, um, it's really important, like something that you only paid a certain amount of money for becomes so valuable. Yeah. Yeah. So curiously, um, you talk about Nike, it's a worldwide brand, mm -hmm. right? And you know, people want to trademark, but how, how far does your, your trademark protection go? When you talk about trademarking, does, is it cover just on a state level? Is it cover federally? Is it covered internationally? If you could speak on that a little bit. Absolutely. Really yeah. yeah, that is a great question. I um, It, it, it kind of applies. And you said something before that was really good. Y'all did y'all homework. That was a great trivia question. <laughs> hey, I like it. I, yeah, I, I like it. it. I, I, I like it. <laughs> <laughs> Alex, for 200, yeah. please. <laughs> I would have. I would have. <laughs> Um, so, but one thing that you said really quick before I mm -hmm. answer your question was talking about Nike and how they paid someone 30 to $35. Mm -hmm. So that is really important to make sure that you own the rights of right. someone who is 
actually producing your logo or your trademark. Um, a lot of people go to Canva these days or other um, yeah. websites. I can't think of what they are called right now, but there are websites where you can go to when you put in your business name. They'll even create a business name for you these days. Mm -hmm. um, it's important to make sure you're reading the terms and conditions of those because sometimes you don't own those. And then you want to go ahead and trademark it. And actually you're trademarking something that you don't own, right? So if you're paying someone for it, you want to make sure that you have a license agreement where you are getting full use of that license where you can go ahead and register the mark. Canva people that um, are creating logos, you don't always own that. And so people a lot of times want to trademark their rights from Canva and it's too simplistic and it, the elements that they use are not going to qualify for it to be unique enough oh, wow. as a trademark, which is so important, right? Um, so for those of people that don't know, can you please explain what Canva is? It's a website where you can design yeah. everything. Yeah, and honestly, that's, that's once again, get you a marketing and branding professional because mm -hmm. they help bring all of this full circle. I'm not even fully aware. I use Canva for my like contract templates or um, I use like it for a baby shower. I, I, I use it as well. <laughs> Invitations. So, right. I'm like, you just yeah. use it for yeah. different things. Yeah. Like to create. Mm -hmm. So um, like my branding, my logo and things like that, which I had, I hired actually um, a branding person to mm. create it personally for me and things like that. But she created templates for me. So when I create contracts for my clients, I'm sending out letters professionally for them overhead. My overhead, my stationery basically is within Canva and I can go and take my context of text that I'm preparing for my clients into Canva so it comes out professional on my stationery. Right, right. So that's kind of what, that's what I use Canva for. I know it can be used for invitations. Yeah. It's basically a platform I would say where people can create artistic, um, not just mm -hmm. artistic, but business professional. professional. Um, yeah, professional use of um, different things, posters, flyers, they do a lot of things. But even when you, um, depending if you have like a Canva membership, mm -hmm. right? They give you different royalties, right? They, the little crown will show up with someone that you can use this for free or you have to pay for it. But even if you go and you click on it, they have different restrictions around how you can use that. Mm -hmm. And they'll even ask you that when you're downloading it, how are you gonna use this? Because the license that they're giving you is based upon how you plan on using it. So. So many technicalities that a lot of people don't know about mm -hmm. and they're downloading things and putting it on their website and people, the actual artists that Canva hired to create it, that they only license Canva to use and sell to you for free. Mm -hmm. Once you start making a profit out of that, putting it on your website, putting it out for posts and people are coming and paying you for your business and service, you've now had an infringement upon their copyright. Actually, this shifted from trademark. Mm -hmm. It's not a copy. It's not a trademark. It's a copyright. Right. Um, you've infringed upon that. Right. And so you want to make sure that that's clear and that you're not doing that. And this is very common if you use Sharpie very, mm -hmm. very. images. Mm -hmm. there's, a, there's a limitation to how many uses you can use it. Yeah. So you have to be very cognizant of this because you could be, you know, you could find legal repercussions if you don't follow, if you really don't read it. Yeah. Um, so, and it's expensive. Copyrights mm -hmm. are so cheap to register. They started at about $35, $50. Yep. But lawsuits pending those started about $5,000 okay. minimum. Mm -hmm. Minimum. And that's with me negotiating mm -hmm. it down for you, yeah. getting it on a payment plan. They are very costly and expensive. So, so, so what you're saying is that it's best to pay the price initially to protect oh, absolutely. yourself. Do and, not cut corners. The mm. foundation of your business and what you set out to accomplish is very important. The legal foundation of your business, you, you cannot compromise on it. Mm -hmm. You can't. Yeah. So one of the things that uh, Christine and I was talking about, because uh, we were so excited that you were coming in, that we were thinking about what are some of the common mistakes that people make? when it comes to trademark 
Yeah, so I'm going to go back to her question that she asked me a minute ago, and I'm going to tie it into your question. Go ahead, go ahead. Um, Y'all see me with these details and, like, bringing it all back. (laughs) Um, Okay, but she had a question about the different, basically, it's jurisdictions, right? So on a state level, a federal level, and an international level, different laws apply to all above. Um, And so there are state trademarks. I do not recommend them unless you plan on having a brick and mortar and staying in one place. I have an example for this. It's a very cool one. Um, I'm from Chicago. And so um, in my home state of Illinois, there is a Burger King that exists that is not owned by the franchise. However, they registered a state trademark um, or trade name, if you will, in the state of Illinois prior to the franchise registering it federally. Wow. And so... I didn't know that. Yeah. It's Google it. It's there. It's so cool. Yeah. (laughs) Right? And so they can still exist right now in the state of Illinois. Mm -hmm. And um, I can't remember the parameters exactly, but within a three-block radius or something like that, the actual franchise Burger King cannot set up a shop within their radius to be in competition with them because they have a state. This is where, for once, the state will actually trump federal... Um, their state trade name has them protected and Burger King can't compete with them. And they, of course, they've offered them money and things like that. It's a small family-owned business. They're not in it for the money. They won't sell it. And they still exist to this day. Um, but that's an example of a state name. I Most businesses these days are on the web, um, on the internet. You know, they have websites. They are getting people from all over. So I usually don't recommend for my clients to go with state names because it's not going to give them the protection they need. It is limited to the state that you register in. And it's very cumbersome to go to every single state and try to do it. You might as well just get a federal one, right? Which is the most common application that I fill out for my clients. Federal protects you in all 50 states. It protects you in the United States. Um, essentially, if someone comes in your um, come in with your name in your category, which I'm not going to get too in-depth and dense, mm-hmm. um, it's over 41 categories basically for your field and industry where you have to register your mark for use, right? So if someone coexists with you in that field and mark or they're trying to register with it, they will shut it down if they're in the same category as you on a federal level. So mm-hmm. it helps you get protections. Mm-hmm. Um, an example of this is um, the car Lexus, right? As an attorney, we have a software called LexisNexis. Mm-hmm. Often they just shorten it and it goes by Lexus. Well, both of them have the same name. So technically, if we just go based off of confusion of consumers, um, the same name, they would say it's rejected. Because they are in different categories, though, they can coexist even with the same name. So that's a great example of that. And then um, so Delta, most people need Delta to have faucets. Oh, Delta yeah. Delta it's so many of them, yeah. honestly. There's, there's it's a lot, it's a lot of a them. Lot. Yeah. And so that's one of the caveats and mm-hmm. loopholes. A lot of people are saying, well, um, I had someone um, email me the other day and they said, well, hey, we want to do, we did some preliminary search on trademarking. We want to hire you to do the application. But we found that our name was u- being used by someone else. Well, automatically, I knew what they wanted to do and what the category was registered in. I knew it wouldn't be a conflict, right? Mm-hmm. Now, I haven't gone in and done the other search, so I couldn't advise them of that just yet. But I knew initially what their concern was, wasn't really a concern because they weren't in the same category. So mm-hmm. um, that's the federal level. And federal, like I said, applies for all 50 states. If you do plan on going internationally, each um, country has their own trademark application. So um, one I always recommend for people, depending on the field that they're going on, is uh, China. (laughs) Go ahead and lock down your trademark in China, people, because we know they are the greatest imitators of the world. Um, But I don't think they really care, though. They actually don't. So I I don't know if you knew this about me. I studied um, in China, actually. I did international Mm. law and studied there while I was in law school because I knew I wanted to do international Mm -hmm. business and law. Mm -hmm. And so I worked in national business. Listen, it really is. I've done contract negotiations for my clients over Mm -hmm. there and got several deals after law school, Mm -hmm. even after, um, you know, studying there. 
um, they they do not care. It is it yeah. is a standard to them. It's a uh, it's like a respect factor. We respect and we honor your work so much that we are going to replicate it. Right. But to us, it's like, hey, you ripping off my brand and you getting money for it, and yeah. I need you to pay me for That's this. Like sampling. Yeah, they, yeah. they it's not <laughs> seen to, the same. To a different level, though. <laughs> it's not, but they do have international trademark laws that you can register your trademark over there and enforce it. It can get really pricey and expensive, so I definitely recommend that people sit down, that they have a strategy for it, a plan, um, because once you do a trademark application and register it, um, which is essentially, you were saying some of the common mistakes that people don't do, mm-hmm. is that they don't register their trademark. That's right. that's the first thing I would say. Just do the research, make sure you register it. Um, and a huge question I get is when, what's the timing for it? And it's not really a Actually, set action. I'm, not to cut you off, that was no. gonna be my next question, because See? Look at the that. timeline, because uh, it is very important because in people's mind, they, they assume like because I apply automatically within the next week, things are going to go through. Listen, but then I let, wish. Yeah, but there's <laughs> steps, right? Go ahead. There are steps to it. Um, so the good news is from the date that you apply, once they approve the application, if it is approved, it is backdated to the date of the application. So you do have some protections from the date that you apply. Mm. However... The trademark application process is extremely saturated right now for review. It takes about four to five months just for them to get assigned to an attorney for them to reply to you at all. Um, you're protected through that process, but it does take some time. And so, um, yeah, it can be a lengthy process. You just be anchored in and yeah. <laughs> just stand in there for the long haul. Um, yeah, that's what I tell my clients because it's, it's, a, it's a little bit of a process. To circling back when you, you were talking about um, legally protecting yourself internationally, nationally, statewide. So, I mean, I would wonder why people would just do it statewide. Is there like a big cost difference? Like what's the big mm. cost difference between statewide, national and internationally? Like what would you be able to tell us about that? Yeah, no, that's a great question. There definitely is a price difference. Um, trademarking in and of itself can get really expensive because you have to pay, like I mentioned before, for the categories, right? We also have to pay for the marks. In the very beginning, when you asked me what trademarks were, I kind of listed five general categories of, you know, your um, business name, your logo, a slogan, hashtag, or color. Mm-hmm. All of those are different cat um, or different uses of your mark, right? And if you have maybe two categories that you're doing, maybe I'm going to sell T-shirts and I'm going to sell um, an educational platform as well Mm -hmm. those are two categories and if i have five marks i have to do five marks in two separate categories off top without even assessing attorney fees i have two categories times five things 10 application fees that i have to pay a minimum they have a scale of application depending on the complexity of information you have to provide and uh, at a minimum you're paying 250 dollars so for, for each for each mark in okay. each category. So. Okay. So curiously, you talk about a color. The color mm-hmm. has to be tied to a logo, or because you 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 obviously can't just you can't just put any color. Any color, you can't. Not they have no No. Go to the yeah. hex code, figure yeah. it out, no, type it in. Okay. No, no, that's okay. such a great question. And so I, y'all can tell I'm like a little bit of a nerd and a geek mm-hmm. around this stuff. I've done research and figured it out. Um, so. A great example of this, (laughs) you know, we clearly did it. An example of that is um, Tiffany and Kong. Yeah, their color turquoise Mm -hmm. is unique to them. Now we we've seen a lot of people take the color and Mm -hmm. use it, but in jewelry, you will never see anyone take that color. So you can take that color for that category. That category, that's the loophole. Yep, that's one of the many loopholes. Mm. And so you see a lot of people use it for um, you know nail colors now. Like honestly, the color has taken off in every other color, but in jewelry, 
Tiffany and Co. will always be the company. That so is Louboutin Red. Um, oh, for the red bottoms. bottoms? For the yeah. red yes. bottoms, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's they are definitely. Um, that's a, mm. and they also have some patents with that as well. Yeah, so, mm-hmm. absolutely. <laughs> no, they were. I remember that. Yeah. That was a few yeah. years ago, mm-hmm. and um, a lot of companies started trying to um, knock off. And now there's a new, um, a new shoe company. He has like a blue bottom. Mm. Mm-hmm. I don't. I can't think of who he is. It's actually a pretty color blue. That is fresh shoes. And I don't know. Trademark. I'm not sure that it's trademark, but to me, I just see oh, him yeah. doing doing something similar to um, Louis Vuitton. Louis Vuitton. Yeah. I don't now, know if it's going to take off. Can or they do like that? that? Because at the end of the day, yes, of course Louis is probably like the first ones to to do it. Correct. Mm-hmm. So can you? It, it, I don't want to use the word "steal" that idea, but it's basically you you. You're taking from one resource or one idea and then trying to adapt it to something else. Can you do that? Yeah, you can. The hard part about it is they have a really hard time tracing back the the original idea of it, right? Which is why it just has to be unique enough for your brand to set you apart in your category. That's as much as they can try to limit Mm -hmm. it. So although he's in shoes as well, it's not a red color. So he's doing a different color. And because of that, Mm -hmm. he can register it. And it can't say, oh, well... We Louis Vuitton was the first ever to have a staple bottom shoe. We don't know that, right? Maybe somebody else in the 1700s created that idea. We we have no idea, right? So they don't want to go as far as to limit the um the generality of it, right? It's just the specific what your brand is. That is what we're going to protect. Your brand is a red bottom shoe. That is what we're going to protect. We're not going to limit people from having a purple bottom or a green bottom. Mm-hmm. Obviously, consumers will probably look at that and say, mm, you're trying to be like Louis Vuitton. But the trademark commission and other stuff, they're not going to limit that. Mm. Well, it has to be something that differentiates you, seriously, from like... Yeah, that's the requirement. From everybody else, apart, because right. you can't say like a trend. Right. So if you pick up the trend and rose gold is a trend and everybody's doing rose gold, you can't say, oh, I'm going to just be rose gold now. No, rose seriously, that's, yeah. it's a requirement for your yeah. trademark, which is why... Um, I always recommend, even if you don't use an attorney, just consult with an attorney because yeah. your mark does have to be unique. You're going to waste your money and your time mm. going through the process if it's not unique enough to actually qualify. Now, to your point with trends, I have seen people register trends and sometimes they are approved. Now, the problem with that, and you posed the question earlier and I was kind of um, getting to it. Um, but the problem with that and kind of um, what I'm trying to remember specifically what your question was, I think it was around the com- the complexity of the different registrations, right? Mm-hmm. And like the expense of it or some of the do's mm-hmm. and don'ts. Um, the issue with protecting your mark, right? So say that I, um, it's a popular trend. I can't think of any popular trends right now. Whatever a popular trend is, right? To say, um, I don't know, go, go daddy. <laughs> Right. Okay, right. Uh, which is the name of an actual company. I know. Mm-hmm. But if that was a trend as like a slogan, right? Like we would say that for your friend when they're dancing and they're really getting it like, oh, go daddy, go daddy, whatever. If that were the case, I'm I'm using it different than the internet company, right? Than mm-hmm. their website, their domain in a different category. But the rest of the world is using the trend as well. Everybody is saying it. Nobody has trademarked it. Right. But I can go ahead and trademark it, right? So for my clients and my process, I at a minimum, when we start out, there are two categories, um, not two categories, there are two fields that I'm always researching and that is the actual um, trademark database and there is the market research that is done. Mm-hmm. Because if you get approved in the database, right, 
And you have to, they approve you, they give you the reinforcement behind it to protect your mark and your brand, but the market is saturated, mm-hmm. it's going to cost you a fortune to stake claim over there. Mm-hmm. How, how can I go over there and say, if everybody is saying GoDaddy, I'm the one who trademarked mm-hmm. it though, right? I own it, but now I have to go, they're going to they're gonna back me and say, oh, you own it. But I have to go out and I have to enforce, yeah, compete. I, have to yeah. I, have to, I have to sue and I have yeah. to send all those cease and desist letters. Mm-hmm. I have to negotiate and stop using my name and monitor it right it's gonna cost you more to protect that and it's not worth it so i advise my clients of that upfront hey it's available in the database but it's not always a good use of it don't register that like when lebron tried to trademark taco tuesday right so oh yeah yeah Yeah. but that was already yeah everybody does but he got some sponsorships off of that so (laughs) (laughs) he he played that well and (laughs) for instance so you know tom brady tried to trademark tom terrific Oh yeah, right. Yeah. But that's Tom Seaver, yeah. <laughs> and everybody knows that's Tom Seaver, and he was rejected. Yeah. So no, seriously, yeah, yeah. because well, they know. While we on this topic, what about collaborations? Like I see Supreme trying to collaborate with other brands. How mm-hmm. does that play a role? Does does that impact the the trademark and uh, because it still sells, right? Because it's mm-hmm. one company versus the next company, correct? Yeah. Um, it's a lot of different ways that happens. More than likely, what's happening is a artistic piece of work is being created, which is going to be a copyright, not a trademark. Now, a trademark can also coexist with the copyright. Doesn't mean one is exclusive over the other. But um, with Supreme and just their field and what they do, more than likely a copyright is coming about, mm-hmm. which is um, they will probably, not probably, they do. They have licensing agreements, right? Mm-hmm. So who's going to get the royalties based off of what is sold and what part of the project somebody created? Um, contribute to versus the other is how that's going to be um, discussed. Trademarks can be co-owned by other multiple people. So it doesn't have to be exclusively Supremes. It can be the person that they're collaborating with. Mm. Those are all conversations that will happen in negotiation of solidifying the deal. Same thing with, um, you know, um, LeBron in his shoes with Nike. Who's getting, you know, he's, they, their negotiations are a little different, right? They cut him a multi-figure million dollar contract right right? and they get some exclusive rights and they get to use his name and use his branding and come up with ideas and concepts however they want to right however say he was more involved in the process like oh i really want to make sure the shoes are comfortable or something like that and Mm -hmm. he's he wanted a very active role in it Mm -hmm. they could definitely break that down and negotiate something different where we're going to give you a lesser upfront flat fee, but then we're also going to give you ownership of the trademarks, right? So if you go and you look up the LeBron James, which I'm sure he has a trademark on mm-hmm. his own name and he's giving Nike mm-hmm. permission to use mm-hmm. um, his trademark. But if you go look at the LeBron James shoes and the actual registration of the trademark and how they're selling it, I assure you Nike owns that 100% yeah, I, I now. Think, I think that um, that was the same kind of deal that Kobe had. Kobe mm-hmm. wanted like, hands-on. Mm-hmm. So I think his was more, it wasn't more of a contract with an athlete, it's more ownership exactly because he wanted more which is very smart the um a lot of celebrities are getting into that now i know ariana grande has negotiated some things like that Mm -hmm. um but the one who she came after beyonce right so one of the um an example and we're kind of getting out of the trademark talk with it but it it applies for trademarks and really the emphasis on it is a licensing agreement Mm -hmm. there's a license produced when we create this and i'm giving you ownership or use of it um and but the greatest example was um baychella what they deemed it but when she did the um when she did coachella she was very like i'm going to take lower amount because i want to have rights to this and then she turned around and sold it to netflix 
right? Mm. And was able to make a residual income off of it because it doesn't end with Netflix. They have streaming, right? So as many times as so the stream, she's continuously she's making make money, money off of it. Right. So she took a lower upfront mm. um, fee with Coachella mm. to get ownership of it. So mm. then she could go ahead and sell it. Then. I think Beyonce so. did something similar to that too. Where she, yeah, 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 yeah. That's okay. Beyonce. Okay. Yeah, I know. I said Beachella, so yeah, it kind of okay. threw it off. Yeah, yeah. That's what they, you know, they yeah. they dubbed it after she did it. Like, oh, that's what it it is, yeah. DJ Khaled was like, it'll never be called Coachella again. They need to officially name it Beachella. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. so to circle back, <laughs> when we're talking about partnerships, mm-hmm. right? Um, you know, for let's just rein it in a little bit to like to the people that maybe. Don't have Beyonce money yet or yeah, Beyonce yeah, status yeah. yet. Um, the reality, trying, yeah. starting from the basics. <laughs> listen, but, 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 we look, in the gym. Listen, we y- y- y'all y'all will eventually get there. You guys will eventually get there. We're trying to help yeah. you guys out right now. So we're going to try to get to covering, you know, protecting yourself where you have a partnership with somebody. Mm-hmm. So how does that differentiate from like if you're like a sole proprietor? Like, how do you protect yourself as far as like trademarks, as far as just like anything um, when you're starting a business? Yeah. What should you think about first, like when you are going into like an equal partnership and then say you're, you have like, you know, a majority ownership or a minority mm-hmm. ownership? What should you think about? Mm-hmm. Listen, this is so good. So um, I just want to touch on it because we were talking about like there's different collaborations with the trademarking and that's more so of a contractual agreement. But you're touching upon like entity setup and ownership within an entity. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's so many different considerations. Honestly, the world is your oyster. Literally, you sit down with your partners, you have a discussion with them and you decide what you want. But the important part about that is to make sure it is reduced down to a written contract that actually express what who what each role is going to do. Who owns what percentage of the company, right? Um, what each payout is going to be. Who's who has the rights to what, right? Like you are going to have the right to sell your ownership if mm-hmm. in the event of this happening. You won't have the right to sell your ownership. Mm-hmm. For the most part, I would say ninety percent of that contract is completely at. Um, you can edit it however you want to edit it, right? right? So it's going to be based upon. Um, what you and your partner or other people have decided upon, or if it's just you, what you decide you want to do with your company, right? So um, you want to make sure you reduce it down to a contract though. Um, in most states, it's required for a um, LLC. It's going to be an operating agreement, partnerships, operating agreement, sole proprietorships don't require one because you're not technically registered. But if you have a corporation of any sort, you're going to have a bylaw that dictates what your rules and regulations are. Basically, it governors how you operate as a business because you are the owner, that agreement is basically clarified. As the business, this is what the business requires. And as the owner, this is what I am going to fulfill and carry out as the owner of the business. So so um, my, my question is this, right? So where is it that is it, they explain all this? Because the, the, the assumption is that if I get an LLC, if I incorporate, or if I get an S-Corp, whatever the case may be, that I'm protected, right? So mm-hmm. I, I guess the question is, where do you find this information? Or I need to find a lawyer for, to break down all these details. Can I interject? Yeah, go Absolutely. ahead, go ahead. So what I'd like to say is we're, we're, we're just spewing these terms, LLC, sole right. proprietorship, and then you have in, like incorpor- incorporated, right? Mm-hmm. So if you can just give us a brief synopsis on all what each 
just an explanation on what each what each definition is. Can yeah. I first say how I love this? Because yeah. I was brought in for trademarking, but we are talking about all the areas that oh, I no, operate in. And I, do, I know, and I love it because I'm like, this is yeah. what I do. This is, I love it. Um, so great question. So we're talking and we're now in the world of entities, right? Mm-hmm. And so there are several different types of entity. A sole proprietor is the first level. And a sole proprietor, congratulations if you have a business or a hobby that you're doing and you have not officially set it up with a state. You are a sole proprietor. You're just out there. Can you, you have sole example? responsibility for so anything what's an that example, happens? Like an Etsy um, artist, or what's there an is example? no. Literally, there is no example. So if I if I started a business and I'm selling it to my friends and my family and I'm making money and income off of it, I am a sole proprietor. Okay. Yeah. So it's just um, someone who is in a business but has not officially taken the step to register the business as a sole proprietor. And then you have an LLC, which is a limited liability company. And um, you register that with your state. It's the most common. It's the easiest entity to set up. It does not always mean it's the best entity structure for you, depending on your future goals or what your um, plans are for uh, maintaining the business. You might want to reconsider filing an LLC. Um, it does have some tax advantages, though. You every all of your income passes to through to you on a, as an individual through mm-hmm. a Schedule C. So make sure you advise um, with your accountants, people. I'm an attorney, not a accountant, right, so right, right, I right. don't. But yeah. But there's a big difference between having like um, an S corp or C corp, absolutely tax purposes mm-hmm. versus the benefits of having it as a legal entity. Absolutely, and yeah. sometimes they can go hand in hand, mm-hmm. which is why I always advise people to talk with an accountant as well as consult with an attorney, um, because you want to make sure that your goals are um, aligning up and making sense for you, depending right. on what your business is. So, in layman's terms. Can you please explain what you're talking about? All right. So in in this two two. She said to keep us in check. You yeah, yeah, yeah. Layman's term. Y'all y'all get to the big people's so, term. Yeah. So <laughs> basically, you can have your corporation or what 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 whatever it is, whether it's LLC, S corp, or C corp, but it could be beneficial for you for tax purposes. So an right? S corp and C corp. What is the difference between S corp and C corp? Well, well, you want me to chime in on that? Yeah, from, not from the tax point, but yeah, um, an S-Corp actually is kind of a blend between a C-Corp and a LLC. So an S-Corp gives you the structure of some of the shares and the stakeholders that a corporation does without the tax burden of a corporation. Corporations are double tax. Um, the entity is taxed as well as the individual owner. So if you are an owner, plus you have stake in the company, you're going to get double tax on it, right? So most people kind of... They want to circumvent that, mm. which is why being taxed as an S corp, it basically allows you to be a corporation with all of those features, but get taxed as an LLC. So you only get taxed one time as a pass through entity on the Schedule C versus the double taxation of a C corp. So those terms vary state to state. No, so these are entities that just are every state recognizes them, um, and they have the same pass through because once again, taxes are federal, right? Mm-hmm. Um, there are some state taxes that apply and things like that. But how you are taxed from an entity standpoint, um, it's going to filter through the same way versus so where just we, the rates are going to change on the state level. But federally is where it most is important. So where would you suggest that some of our listeners would go to if they wanted to start a company to get more information on how they should set themselves up? 
Yeah, that is a great, great question. Um, I think the SBA.gov is a great one, the Small Business Association. They have a lot of information around the different types of entities. Consulting with a business attorney is great. Um, I'm very passionate about educating, if you cannot tell from this interview. <laughs> I get excited. I love talking about this stuff. I can do it all day in the middle of the night, and everyone knows yeah. I'm a grandma, so I'll be sleeping. Um, but it, it literally just, I get energetic and I get passionate and I want to talk about it. But, um, to that point, I have an online legal educational platform where startup companies and businesses. Hold on a second. She told me about it. I, I didn't you even didn't know. know. I didn't know. And then I, I'm going to be honest. Listen, 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 <laughs> listen. Christine was like, she got a platform where she educate entrepreneurs. I'm like, Really? I but, do. But please continue. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm look, 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 look it's fairly new. Look, look. Two out of three of us know about it. <laughs> so why don't let, we let one of the two. My bad. Go so ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Give us some information. Listen, just a little bit of grace. Yeah. It is fairly new. It just officially launched um, a fairly couple of weeks ago. New. Yes, it's been in my heart and it's been a work in the background mm. for years. So I'm so excited that it's finally launched. But it's an online platform for um, just honestly startups and entrepreneurs who want to educate themselves about it right let's be honest with google you can figure stuff out but if you don't know something you don't know to go google it right, right. and so even with that if you do know something google has a plethora of information it can be overwhelming it can be time consuming you're just kind of going through things you don't really know what you're looking for and so my online platform provides a practical reliable and you know it's coming from a credible reference and source right because i am a licensed attorney um but i'm not your attorney on this but i'm taking my education my passion and my field as an entrepreneur and working with over hundreds, many, many people. I started my first business at 16, right? Mm -hmm. So I've been in this for half of my life at this right, point, right, literally. Right. Um, and so that Salud, experience- Salud, by the way. You need to grab Thank the you. you hey. <laughs> Go ahead. But that's a big accomplishment, but continue. Thank you. Thank you. Um, so the online um, educational platform, it, it walks people through exactly what I'm talking about, right? It provides contract templates for what type of um, contract you need. If you go and you're like, oh, what's an operating agreement? I don't know. We have a description of what that is. Actually, we have instructions on how you're going to customize this for your business, why you want to be filling this in, which is so important for startup businesses. A lot of people don't want to talk about this, but startup businesses, in my heart, I believe they're more at risk um, and vulnerable if they get sued versus the 500 companies. Like I mentioned before, your sacrifice, all of the time that you've invested in your business away from your family. If someone comes and sues you and you don't have the right legal infrastructure in place, it's not just taking your business away, it's setting you back. Yeah. All of that investment and that time that you have is now null and void and gone, yeah. where the Fortune 500, they don't even get to lawsuits most of the time because they're settling out frivolous cases of no value because they just don't have time for it. They're like, well, I want to deal with this. Here, send them a check. Yeah. Go about your business. But small startup businesses who are trying to build that up for themselves and don't have that yet, mm. somebody comes and sues them, you're taking them out in everything that they've worked and were trying to build to leave the legacy behind them, right? So... My heart is really about empowering and educating those people to make the best of everything. I'm glad you touched on that because um, one of the things that I noticed is that you, you definitely need a lawyer. You definitely need somebody that understands corporate law, trademark, and how to structure things, and et cetera, et cetera. But with you, it, as a lawyer, you don't, you don't practice in every state. So 
Yes or no? Depending on the area. Depending right? on the area. So with trademarking intellectual pro- um, intellectual property, right. it's federal most of the time. So I can do that in different areas because it's a federal law. But as so far as like other things, litigation, things like that. I don't do litigation at oh, all. Oh, you don't do litigation. And here's why I don't litig- okay, do litigation me, at all. I am of the mindset, right? While all lawsuits cannot be prevented, because like I mentioned before, even Fortune 500 companies, people can sue you for anything. They can sue you for frivolous matters that have mm. no merit whatsoever. Um, and you negotiate those out, right? And they just happen. And the higher up you get, the more accessible you are, more, um, you know, uh, in view of the public, the more at risk you are for those type of suits. But small businesses, you really don't have to deal with that. But if you have the right legal foundation, if you have the right legal structure, if you have the right contracts in place, if you have protected your intellectual property, Mm -hmm. you have mitigated on the forefront your need to have litigation in cases in the first place. So I am all about being proactive. Let's get these things in place. Let's build upon these three stones for for protection, right? Layer upon a layer upon a layer of protection. Exactly. Seriously. So when a suit comes, guess what? It's frivolous. We can lock this down and get this thrown away with summary judgment and not have to go to court. Or even with that, write my contracts. I don't do a contract without an arbitration agreement. There's no way. We're not going to court with this. Mm-hmm. You're not going to draw my client out in this. And, you know, like there's no point there. There are matters and um, things that you can do on the forefront to really protect yourself to never end up in court, period. And, and we so. can't stress how important that is. Yeah, it that's, is. That's you can't valuable. stress how important that is when this is your livelihood. And this is seriously. And, you know, with people like Warren that really are invested in people and in protecting people, I think you just have to consider there's a cost in the beginning, but it could save you so much more at the end. So it's very important to do your homework to make sure you have, um, you know, you cover yourself and you have the right people behind you, like people like Lauren that can really have your back and know the law. Because you have, when you're doing your own, or starting your own business, or anything, you have so many other things to worry about that, you should have somebody, especially with legal things, that really has an understanding mm-hmm. of the law to be able to handle that for you. So it's it's very it's very critical that you take care of yourself because mm-hmm. you have to protect yourself, you have to protect your family, the people that, that are dependent on you um, in your businesses, and um, and once you have that like foundation, then you. Can, don't have to worry about that moving forward, right? So, and I think it's just really important to invest in protection and protecting yourself. Yeah. Um, and I just want to say, like, people like Warren are like very valuable. Um, and just understand that if even if it's not Warren, it should be somebody that you know Absolutely. and trust. And especially when you're just starting out, it's just very important to have these type of people that can. That can understand those things when you're worried about and other guide things. you too. Yeah. yeah, have your back and support yeah, you. Really, back you, yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's so good. You, one thing, like coming from Christine, Christine has a sales background, extensive sales mm-hmm. background. She's Licensing, been doing everything. everything. So she really knows her stuff when it comes to sales, and when it comes to litigation or things as far as like making sure that things are in place, she values that. Right. So for her to say this, that's a, that tells you how much value you have. And the information that you're sharing. And I think that's very important. Yeah, yeah. you just have to protect yourself at all times. Because yeah. you can be an artist. You can be brilliant. And it's, and, and 
in two seconds, you and know. That's, those seconds. are the people who are the most vulnerable. Because there's, yes, they're the most vulnerable. Mm-hmm. And there there's people out there. I mean, they're like piranhas. Like, I mean, they're out there. They're waiting. Oh, my yeah, God. There's, stop yeah. talking about your great ideas and going into these meetings Just without do having NDAs. Do it and cover yourself NDAs. because yeah. somebody else is going to do it. Yeah, yeah. and they you have know? the money. They have the resources. So you come mm-hmm. in, you share this idea, your passion, you share your vision with them mm-hmm. and their position to do that, right? You're like, hey, I want to partner with you. I want to get you in on this. And they're like, oh, great. Now that I have your idea, I don't need you anymore. Right. I'm just going to go and do it. And my I, lawyers took care of it. I have had clients time after time, at least for a while in my firm, I was so discouraged because it was happening multiple times a week. And um, honestly, I really know that the online platform, the legal no, was stemmed from that because it's like, hey, they are going in desperate and wanting to really get their vision off the ground and people are taking advantage of them because they don't have the resources or the funds to hire an attorney right now, but they're losing idea. I One story in particular, they had, they've been meeting for months and months with this investor and giving them their ideas. And one day they showed up to a meeting, they were locked out of the building and they could inside look and see that everything that they had talked about, the investor literally had inventory on the floor. They had stolen the entire idea. They had no agreements in place. They had anything. So they called me and they're frantic and they're like, what can we do? And unfortunately my response was little to nothing. You don't have any contracts in place. You don't have any any proof that this was your idea. And for the what is, what's going to stop them from saying yeah. that it was their yeah. idea, right? Yeah. And they're like, well, we have some emails. And while you can compile emails and try to make it a written agreement, it's still going to be left up to the judge for the interpretation of it because there was no official meeting of the minds, which is required for agreements to be formed, right? I'm getting into the legally terms of it, but... <laughs> do but, stuff with contracts yeah with the listeners and the viewers right now that might be the most valuable lesson you're going to get out of this because if if anything allow somebody else to teach you that lesson and don't try to learn it yourself don't do it it's costly yeah. it's costly it's costly yeah this this has been um an awesome interview and i just want to say thank you what right? it's over already y'all didn't get me fired up my little juice is going i'm ready i, 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 I didn't say it's over you might do a cartoon <laughs> But no, this been this has been amazing because uh, there was a lot of valuable information, and when you go through the like the cycle of um, you know sales cycle, whether whether it's sales cycle, whether it's it's going through um, the law the the law side of it, there's certain things that you say like, all right, I I, I got to make sure I got things in place, I got to make sure that I'm protected, I got to make sure that you know I got the right team around me to mm-hmm. make sure that. I move forward properly because so because like Christine said, there's a lot of piranhas out there that's re- ready to bite. Right. So, you know, this has been so much information that has so much value, and um, we appreciate it. And we want to say thank you from Christine and I. And I just want to say, listen, you what made you go on this journey? I like to ask these people. I like to like ask people this question because I want to know what inspired you to say, this is the route that I wanted to go into. This is what made me say this was for me. And in your case, I see the passion. I see the love. I see the knowledge, the information. So what made you say, this is, this is my route and what inspired me to go through this route? What was the aspiration? Yeah, no, I think that's so great. And so I, I think for me, I've kind of created a niche um, and I've, I, I've done some litigation. I've um, kind of journeyed into it. But I think my passion 
is the pre-litigation because I've seen so many people become, like I mentioned, vulnerable in that area and just the lack of knowledge, the lack of um, support from attorneys wanting to nickel and dime them. They're just a number, right? And so I was having a lot of clients who couldn't afford me, but they needed protection. And so my heart was crying out. And so I would compromise and I'm like, well, I'll just do it pro bono or I'll just do that. And at some point that compromises my business, right? Where my customer service is declining because I have paid customers who can't get access to me because I'm over here doing some other stuff, mm. right? And I really just had to take a look back and say, hey, I'm passionate about this and I want to help these people, but it's really not working for my current business model, right? I'm dropping the ball over here. I'm not, I'm still not really being able to support and serve them the way that I can. Where's the middle ground for this? How can I be successful in my full on service, but still provide some type of um, resource to these people, right? And so I think the passion is just there. Like, I think passion isn't something you can force. It's just something that you're wired for. It's just something that you breathe. And so I'm, I'm passionate about helping people. If mm -hmm. anyone asks me, they're like, oh, I'm going to call you an attorney or Esquire. I'm like, call me Lauren. Because my name, I'm, I'm a servant above all else. That's that's my name. Call me Lauren. I don't need any title of any sort. My name is Lauren, right? And so um, even my uncles, like growing up, they'll tell you, like, I was so adamant about like, oh, let me take your tray and like throw it away and yeah. do all that. My heart is really to serve people. So that passion was always there. And when I saw the need for people, I really just kind of saw it and said, well, I have a skill set and I have something that can provide a need. How do I do that? And so the legal no um, was honestly, it's a mirror of what I do with activated law. Um, I'm passionate about both what I do, protecting, being proactive with it. One's I'm just a little bit more hands-on. The other one, I'm just providing a resource for people, right? But they mirror each other. They do this exact same thing, the exact same um, practice areas, but it, it allows me to touch everybody from the people who are just starting out, from the people who are all the way up, who don't have the the time and the means to go and research things and figure it out. They need to hire me to do it for them, but I can still help those who are starting out, who have more time than they have um, financial resources at the time. So um, yeah, I just, I love helping people and seeing um, literally activated law. The name of my firm comes from, I'm called to activate the purpose in you and to use the law to protect you. Um, and go forth in your purpose to do what you were called to do. So, it's amazing. It's truly it. inspirational. Yeah, yeah, really coming from a female. <laughs> it's truly, it's truly inspirational. Thank really. you so much. Because you know, some people don't know how to help others with their expertise. Yeah. Right. And you found a way. So I applaud you for that. And I think. You know, you yeah, want to applaud. Yeah, yeah. Let's, let's, well, let's just do that. Yeah. Let's yeah, cheers to that. that. Let's, hey, let's cheers we like to, to cheers. cheers. You've been, you been, you behind. Yeah, you're. We've been waiting for you yeah. for some time so now. You it was my point. It was yeah, the point. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, we had to pregame, and you know, you're literally like you drink behind. Yeah. No, no. Christine is right. Um, thank you, and and for women. You know, that's very, for young girls that's looking up and that's trying, that's really looking to see what path they could go into, that's one of the paths that you 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 setting out for them to say, okay, I, I could look into doing something mm -hmm. like this. And, and beyond women, it's people that aspire to just own, yeah, you know, True. and own their own, their own business and, you know, really have control of their career and control... Uh, their destiny and they just need a little bit of help from other people so you know um just on behalf of all these people 
<laughs> on behalf of all these people, <laughs> I'd like to say thank you. Absolutely. Um, yeah, so. I think that's so needed. You just said something and like inside it's like, say this, say this. I'm like burning to say uh, it. Um, and I think so many people are afraid to go out and take that leap. And they're like, how do I get started? How do I do this? And honestly, in the words of Nike, just do it, right? You figure it out as you as you go along and resources will come to you. And if you're passionate mm-hmm. about it, it, it honestly, you won't be able to shake it if you're passionate about it. It mm-hmm. will literally hunt you down. Um, and so one of the things for me, even in law school, I think I fought it so hard um, because the stigmas that come with attorneys, right, where they are not compassionate, where they are just about the money. Um, they are, you know, it's kind of the good old boys club where you're just a number. They don't know you by name and you call them. You can never get a hold of them. And so when I first started my firm, I was very, very passionate about never follow, having a firm that was set apart and never fell into that stigma. Right. Um, and so that's why I said, like, as I began to like want to help people more and took on that burden and that decline for me, I had to take a step back and pause because I said, hey, this this isn't the service I want to deliver on. This isn't what I want to be. This isn't what I started my firm on. How can I do both mm-hmm. equivalently, right? Like, how can I provide it and be a resource for these people, but also show up and be of service to these people, right? And service to me is, you know, honestly, when I'm vetting my clients and I do the consultation, if I'm not really passionate about your project and what you're doing, I've reached the point in my firm, I'm not even accepting you as a client because I want to talk to you and get excited where I'm pumped to do um, my work for you, right? It really drives me to go mm-hmm. forth and do that for you. Mm-hmm. And if it's not, I'm like, hey, but that's when you have control. Yeah. And it's when important you, to yeah, get there. You, yeah. And I, I, I encourage people that even though it might be hard to start there, don't compromise in the beginning mm-hmm. and trying to mm-hmm. get to the money or get to whatever goal mm-hmm. you feel like is more important. Start there because once you start there, it makes it easier for you to cut out the path that you want to be in. And listen, listen, right. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. It starts yeah. now. You have to, it you starts stop. right yeah. now. And don't compromise in the beginning. That foundation is so important, right? Which is why for me, I think it was so easy for me to set, take a step back and realize, you know, a year or two into my firm saying, hey, okay, things have fallen off. Things don't look like what I wanted it to look like. I need to make some changes with this. But my foundation was solid. My foundation on what my passion was and why I was starting my firm, what I wanted to do, how I wanted to look different from other people, even the name of my firm, right? Most people are Morgan and Morgan, right? Lauren A. Morgan, firm and no. And and, and it just, even my friends, when I was like throwing that name out, they wouldn't let me settle on that. They're like, that's so boring. That's so traditional lawyer. You're nothing like that, Lauren. You're full of passion. You're so exciting when people work with you they don't you you don't remind us of traditional lawyers Mm. your firm name cannot be traditional right and so even activated law most firms don't have a non-traditional name like that right so my foundation from the very beginning i made sure that i was cut from a different cloth and i was intentional about that so even when things went astray it's like hey that's not my foundation that's not my root i can come back to this do not compromise in the beginning. You cannot afford to. So interestingly do enough, like you, you know, you can apply that like your your resource, right? For people that want to start business, but you're also an inspiration because you have your own business, right? True. And the, right now, all that, um, all of that advice, all exactly what you just said is going to be valuable to these entrepreneurs as well, not just the legal stuff, but yeah. just your example. 
So no, I'm, I'm, I'm really serious. Like just your example. And it's inspirational to differentiate yourself from the next. Right. Oh, absolutely. And, and that's, what's going to make you successful. Mm -hmm. Right. And so I just want to say, you know, you're a great resource and you have so much more to offer. So if you can just tell people where they can reach you, like if you could tell our viewers and our listeners where they can reach you because you obviously know what you're doing. Yeah. You obviously have so much more to offer. You obviously yeah. have a, you obviously have answers to a lot of questions. Like if you could just share where they can reach you, um, your resources that you offer, then that would be very helpful as well. Absolutely. Okay. So um, as I mentioned before, my firm is Activated Law and the online um, platform that I keep mentioning is called The Legal No. So The Legal No is found at thelegalno.co um, and it's K-N-O, so like a play, you know, for your reference and um, your knowledge that you are getting from the platform. And it's a no, it's a play on the, it's like a pun, pun intended. So yeah. no more legal issues because now you are in the <laughs> no. So listen, uh, <laughs> right? Like so um, thelegalno.co. <laughs> and then also if you guys want to contact me, you can go to activatedlaw.com and book a consultation or you can email me directly at info at activatedlaw.com. Thank you so much. Thank you yes. so much. Thank yeah. you guys. Yeah. This is so great. Yeah. Thank this, you. Is this is it. <laughs> it's been, it's, thank you. I know. No, thank you guys yeah. for your patience and, and, and waiting no, on the pilots and other people who are out of our control, whether it turns out. No, 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 like, no, no. We actually are. We owe you because you gave us so much knowledge. You gave mm -hmm. Stanley knowledge, knowledge, all our viewers and listeners knowledge. And we're going to take it from here. And hopefully we can get some success stories out of this. Yeah, so, please. Oh, my gosh. Just anything. We love to hear the success stories after everybody applies. Yeah. yeah. Even if you just take today. it and you go to Google and you figure it out, that is my heart to educate. So I'm... I please share them with me when they come back. I hope this helps someone in any capacity to be encouraged at a minimum. Even yeah. if you're just encouraged, let me know. Like, hey, that's uh, we're here for that too, right? It's it. so good. Encourage us. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Does we can do we count? <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Every person. All every right, person. guys, it's been great. I just want to say thank you to my co-host Christine Lauren for just coming here, dropping so much jewels. Everybody, have a good night. Thank mm -hmm. you, guys. Good night. Good night. <laughs>